Our next guest now has travelled quite a way to, to be with us and she's waited quite a long time to be back in East Clare. And I warmly welcome Rachel Turner from Milan. How are you? Thank you very much, Carol. I'm Grace. I'm really happy to be back here. It's brilliant. I tell you what now, Carol, I'm going to kick off this conversation <laughs> a little bit now. And uh, Rachel, I am told uh, you have been, uh, you're, you're uh, literally fully Italian engrossed yourself at this time. You're over there for a long period of time. So uh, we congratulate the Italian soccer team on their great victory at the Euros. So well, I, I'm sure you, you watched every minute of it. I watched every second. I was actually on holidays when we won. We're sick of winning any, everything. We won the Eurovision as well. So don't forget that. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> but, uh, how, who could forget we, that? And yes. I'm an interista, so we also won the Serie A. So I've been celebrating a lot actually yes, this uh, And you're here but dressed in blue to celebrate everything <laughs> for as well. Zuri. <laughs> but um, I have to say the win absolutely was the best thing that happened to us since COVID-19 started. So. Uh, absolutely. And we'll, we'll come back and, and we talk, will. we'll say, in relation to that as well. So, right. Uh, I, I'll just ask you, uh, your favourite soccer player? That would be Nicola Brella. Uh, right. <laughs> and and he, he plays nice soccer? He d I don't know, actually. He's just very good looking. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> he's, yes no, yes. he's a very, very good. Is he a centre forward? <laughs> he, he's very talented, isn't that it? Right. That's how okay. we leave it. Now, Carol, There's that, no point in looking over at Carol McNamara yeah, that, that, Bit of a mighty gun over your head. Went over my head. Exactly. Except, of course, we were also delighted that Italy won the Euros. So, Rachel, just getting back to the, you have been in Italy a long time. What is the main attraction about living in Italy? It's just a beautiful country. Um, I had a love for it from the first time I was ever there. I was on a cruise ship with my grandparents, took us on a cruise, and we were we touched in base in Naples, and I just fell in love with it. It's. I said I'm going to go, going to go back there when I finish my leaving service. I did. I went mm -hmm. over. I was an au pair. I just think it's um, very easy for us Irish to settle there. We have mm -hmm. a lot in common with them. We they have a love for life. Um, they're just very easy to people to be around. I just fit fit well with them, mm -hmm. I Good think. Fit. Yeah. But to bring, bring us back to that first time you said you were there as an au pair. You yeah. were obviously just maybe 17 or 18. You were young. Because I was very young. At that point. Did you have any Italian when you went out there? Nothing, not a word. And I mean, we were living in, my parents would have uh, supported the fact that I was going over to a small town. So I was living in a place called Imola, which uh, famous for Formula One. Um, and it was quite a small town by, the, by Italian standards. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be like Milan or Genova or somewhere like this where you could be a little bit at risk. So everyone knew each other in this town. And um, it was, you were there to speak uh, English to the children. So you're essentially, they want you not to have the language. I did lessons in the city hall for free. Uh, it was a comune, as they have in Italy. So there would have been lots of immigrants at the time, lots of Romanians and um, Bulgarians, actually, at the time. There was a lot of women with children on their hips. <laughs> and yeah. I'm sitting there and I just wanted to flirt with boys, really. So. <laughs> well, that was a long time ago. It was. I still do that now, though. <laughs> well, good for you. Well, anyway, so from Imola, then, I, I understand you did some other travels. You were in Australia was, yeah. and then you went back to... Italy. So tell us about the story about going back to Italy then. Well, I fell in love in Alicante in Spain. So it wasn't actually Italy, but uh, with a Milanese boy. And <laughs> uh, I just, I always really did want to go back. And Milan um, may not be, let's say, the most beautiful part of Italy. I mean, now it's my home and I would call myself Milanese. It's actually taken me 13 years, but I would call myself Milanese. Most Milanese are not from 
Milan. Okay. It's a very strange thing to be even Lombardian in Milan. It's a, it's a Is very that small because percentage. of just the going there for work? Yes, the South would have had, a bit like the Irish going to England, to London, yeah. to New York, to Australia. Uh, the South come up north. So um, uh, that would be my husband's family are Pugliese. Uh, they live across the road from us in Milan, but they are Pugliese. Explain to me what that means to come from the south of Italy mm. and move up to move up to like it, is there a big cultural difference huge, between the south and the north huge very good question uh, huge and it's quite um, it's mellowed out because of immigration so they find there's um, nearly it's been directed the any let's say not racism but any anti or bigotry has been moved directed towards poor immigrants coming in mm. so but it would have been originally the target would have been on the southerners because they were coming up getting work, but they would have their own lifestyle. So you have basically where I'm living, it's um, a very southern uh, area of the north side of Milan. Um, we're very near to Via Padova, so we're very near the city centre. But this is a Pugliese, Calabrese, Sicilian district. Really? Um, yeah. And they're kind of the southerners will mix, yeah. but they still have their own divided groups and they can be quite wary of each other, quite anti each other. Yeah. You'll have some of them that get on, but uh, the Northerners can have quite disdain for them. Um, it's mellowed out, yeah. uh, even in the 13 years I've been there. Yeah, it's mellowed that's out. That's very interesting. Mm, and I imagine that there, therefore there is an influence on, because I know you're a very good cook now, and you would cook a lot of uh, the recipes that would, perhaps your mother-in-law would, would have cooked and she came from Puglia. She comes from Puglia. I was lucky as well, because being so young uh, as an au pair, I was, they had a cook and uh, she would have been, Raquel, come into the kitchen while mm. I was be looking after the two-year-old and she'll be here come and make a ragu so I, I make food from Emilia Romagna mm. in Italy you, you're not allowed to cook anything unless you're from the region so it's like it's like you're not from Naples so don't go making pizza you're not from Sicily don't make arancini so it's like you're not you would be judged if you're from there people come to my house and they're totally surprised that my lasagna is actually good so yes. <laughs> yes 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 very interesting it is it's very yeah. strange so I suppose the big question the big elephant in the room question has been the what life was like at the height of the pandemic. I mean, February, late February, early March, nineteen twenty twenty, when it hit. How how fast were you aware of the how serious it was? Very quickly. Um, it was the scariest thing I've ever been through. And I mean, I've I've I'm very lucky life so far. I haven't had major things happen to me. Um, I would say this would be the scariest thing that's ever happened. Being so far away from home, Italy was put very quickly on the map. Um, this broke out in Lodi. And we don't know, we do know who our patient zero is, let's say, um, but it got very, very quickly. And Lodi would be very small, not small, but a town just outside of Milan, um, about, let's say, 40 minutes, maybe 30 minutes in my car. Uh, then the Codogno and the same would be neighbouring town. So it was so fast spreading. Then everything started to close very, very quickly. Um, we just we felt disconnected because nothing else was happening in Europe. So it just was very surreal. Um, mm -hmm. It got quite racist immediately because we do have a huge Chinese community in Lombardy. So the rest of Italy were becoming particularly anti-Lombardian as if close Lombardy off to the world. And we were essentially there was a mass exodus to the south. Uh, speaking about the south mm -hmm. earlier on, um, the southerners wanted to get out. You'd have to think that a lot of these people were our teenagers and in their 20s, 30s, Italians and their parents. They were living 
living in Milan, studying in Milan is huge for universities. Mm-hmm. Um, so they wanted out because they, the lockdown was the most severe in Europe. We were not permitted to leave the house under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. One person per household with the certificate. And, and how did that work? I mean, how would you get the certificate from? You did print at the beginning. It was um, they they quickly came round to how this could be manipulated. So at the start, you had to you could have one. You nearly have it in your car for whenever yeah. you went out. Um, I'm living in a very uh, city area, so we're close to the city centre. So we would have been stopped by the military and the police mm-hmm. leaving the house. You would have to change it. They started then printing dates on them, so you'd have to download it from the internet. You couldn't be in the supermarket more than once per week if you needed to. So families would do the shopping for each other. Um, very hard on people living on their own. Um, mm. Quite scary. It was a very surreal time. Schools closed everything very closed early. Immediately. Uh, everything closed immediately. We didn't know what the situation was with children. Mm. We were quite lucky the second wave, uh, the third wave, sorry, I should say, in October. Um, second wave, wasn't it? Um, this, we didn't close as much. Actually, we fared better than you guys did over here. Mm. Uh, we'd, we, we worked to keep the schools open. And mm-hmm. we we sacrificed Italians. They, we all of the adults stayed at home instead of uh, the children in this case. So when did the children return to school then? To actually being in 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 school, we were out from the start of the pandemic in the end of February. We got the call from the schools from Carnevale, which is like Mardi Gras. Yes, um, we were told not to come back, and that there was an outbreak of a. a it's a bad flu. Yeah. And we were told not to come back because they were going to deep clean the schools. So we didn't come back and we weren't back until October of the following year. Mm-hmm. And then we went back in. We stayed in. I think we, we they were kept out of school only for a few weeks in March or April with the second wave. Okay. Yeah, yeah. very short. So talking about your family now, so you have uh, an Italian husband, a Milanese husband. Hello, Giuseppe. Hello, <laughs> And you, you you have your two boys with you on holidays. I do. I do, George and Lorraine. So they're having the time of their lives. Okay, so in they're Ireland. down in Bridgetown with Nana and Grandad. They are down in Bridgetown with Nana and Grandad. Letting mummy out with Auntie Carol. Yeah. <laughs> and all of that. So that's very good. What was the hardest part of not being able to come home? Absolutely, family. Um, I'm looking across, <laughs> and it's no—I'd say it's no no uh, secret that Carol's my auntie. But um, it's—it was family, absolutely family. Uh, I have never felt more separated from home. I have never. I remember being—I'm quite a pessimistic person. Um, I don't seem—I don't come across it, but I actually am. I do often think worst case scenario, mm-hmm. and I remember saying to Beppe years and years ago. Um, uh, what could happen that could stop me from getting home? And remember, Ireland's an island. And I never got uh, Italian um, um, citizenship because mm. I always felt like I wanted to maintain my... I don't need it as such. Mm. I have residency. I don't need citizenship as a European citizen. Mm-hmm. But I always felt like, what could be that thing? Could it be war between other countries? Um, something mm. that could stop me from being airbound into Ireland or something. I never foresaw that that, could be, that thing could be a virus. Mm. When that happens, and now I will, it's, it's going to live with us. I mean, we will fear that forever, like being yeah. cut out again in me and every other person mm. living abroad. There's millions of us around the world, millions of us Irish. Yeah, I would think that's going to be an issue worldwide. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, wherever we talk about the Irish diaspora, and as man says, we're all over the, we're all over the planet, basically. So, But I think it's going to affect every culture, every uh, generation as well. Can I just ask you, what are things like in Italy now? The fact that you're here means obviously morale has improved, yes. you know. So um would say, what way are you currently with restrictions or... Is there anything being done 
to sort of try and, I presume, you know, vaccinations and stuff like that are taking place as well? This is a very uh, controversial question and a very good question, but we have a major problem at the moment because we have, um, very different to Ireland, where you are, guys are like 90%, are you? Uh, no, at least short, one yeah. vaccination. 50% in Italy. And okay. I think 70 million people. So, I mean, we would uh, be a bit more, bit more realistic um, with the, um, the amount of people living in the country. So, obviously, the numbers would be slightly lower. We are seeing huge resistance uh, to vaccination. Is it political? Very. Um, it's mostly caught up with the green certificate. We have, um, we are asked for it more often than you are. I have been out with my mother recently to the Crescent Shopping Centre. So the only time I was asked for it would have been in Bewley's when I went You're to You're talking pay. about the digital... Digital cert. Yeah. We call yeah. it the green cert. We, we, we call it the COVID cert. Or, yeah. Do you guys? Or, or yeah. that joke that's on your phone. That yeah. thing on your phone, exactly. Yeah. The thing that we all scramble to find. Yes. And, yes. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. here somewhere. Uh, they think that their freedom's been mm. taken... Mm. Um, it's quite stressful for um, Italians living there. They, they find there's a lot of people copying the French and this revolution type of behaviour, but they're not actually acting on it. It's all online, Facebook, social media, keyboard warriors, keyboard warriors exactly. Um, but it's getting very uncomfortable for those of us who do just want to move forward. And what are your infection rates generally but at the minute? At the moment, we're faring much better than you guys, but that wasn't um, unusual because last year we do have very outdoor living. We're talking 45 degrees uh, in Italy up until recently. Um, it's very particularly hot summer. People are outdoors all the time. Now, we think that we know COVID doesn't react necessarily to heat. We're looking at the, the, the death toll in India would be enough to show mm. that. But we do know that um, there is definitely a reaction to uh, people being outdoors. Their numbers drop and that happened last year and they soared in October once we were all back in. So OK. Mm. And with regards to sporting events and stuff like that, I, I just know watching, yes. you know, some of the reviews of, uh, I just say after the Euros, of there course. was a lot of non-celebration, yes. you know, that, that, that we saw. Uh, over year side but with, with regards to you know maybe sporting um, you know it's at stadiums and stuff yeah. like that now capacity wise or concert wise or I, live gigs or is, are they back and running they're they're not necessarily we were we have um, we were at a DJ set um, uh, on the beach uh, but again an open air so on the beach there was a very strange rule brought in um, there's no dancing so <laughs> so you're allowed there's music but there's no dancing <laughs> so it's quite strange how they're thinking that they're going to like uh, I mean enforce that I don't really know but mm -hmm. we were all dancing so yeah, <laughs> I broke that rule immediately mm -hmm. sorry Italian government if you're listening in but <laughs> um, we as for the stadium they were I'm a big San Siro girl but they were um, closed up until recently they've just reopened we had a a game with against Genova the other day. I believe fifty percent capacity. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that would be the equivalent of here. Yeah. And and that was the only venue that has got to that figure because prior to that you're talking, you know, maybe one or two thousand at That's games, right. you know, of, this, of the same capacity. Yeah. Mm. And I know that from the live music point of view, a lot of um, people in the industry are sort of, you know, the, the industry is on its knees anyway. It really is. But there are outdoor events taking place. But is it Pierce Stadium in Galway? I think I heard that. I think, I think you know, mentioned, yeah. capacity of 500 people. 
Yeah, you know, huge state yeah, but that's outdoor. Like you know, if you're saying if you you, you okay, I don't think we'd be having too many raves on Lahinch uh, Beach, depending <laughs> on what way the tide was. Or no, it, no, I'd like co- one. Are coming out? Oh, I think a lot of people might like one, but I, I, I'm, when I'm the not tide's sure. in, it's very difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah very good. The rocks might be a bit dangerous. Rosalina okay. Beach in, in near Venice is a little bit, I think, more <laughs> suitable. Yeah. Okay, so. That's talking about moving on and and that's really very relevant as to what's next. Obviously, all the hope is that children will be back at school, students are back in university. Yes. Tell me about your work, uh, Rachel, and how that was affected. It's, um, yeah, I lost my job. So um, I was working for a language school. We would have been in company teachers and very um, specialised in company teachers. So business so teaching English, English, business English, English sorry. absolutely. Yeah. Um, like for the likes of Pirelli, Campari, Italian companies, uh, banks, kind of uh, the people that like, the, the, I would have preferred to be teaching people that more needed more English. <laughs> Instead, you're with a bank manager who's on his phone for most of the lesson. But it was a good job, very um, high profile job because we were not very classy companies and stuff of course that went under immediately because we would have been the most risk coming into companies yes, you're going to spread infection so these schools these schools went under very quickly and uh, we've had lots of Asian companies sweep in and uh, now it's distance learning I made the decision to go go out on my own and I've been working on my own since um, last year we had very big problems with the COVID payments in Italy um, the the amounts we were promised didn't come through. Most people did not receive payments at the beginning. Really? We went for months without without the help of my parents. I don't know how we would have survived as a family. Yeah. Um, they we just weren't being paid. The system collapsed nearly immediately. Whereas Ireland, it was it seems to be absolutely brilliant on time. It was very efficient. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we we did not have that same. That's would have been I think the least well handled part of the pandemic yeah. in Italy whereas yeah. the, the healthcare system is second to none uh, in yeah. Europe but um, the, the the financial side the jobs the mafia have taken over it's a uh, there's so many and this is like it sounds like something from a film but the mafia have swooped in and yeah. taken over seen the opportunities made huge promises to southerners and like we'll take care of you guys and that's what's happened in war times it's happening again there now okay and in that language you know you you you, you your teaching skills, you transferred them from a face-to-face environment, as in yes. the, the, uh, the office or classroom, into uh, online. How did you find that? Very challenging at the start. There's the, the I mean, it's something that we've now seen pros and cons, um, because you can now get their attention for longer. So it's so the students' attention maybe it's less distracted than chit chatting with you in person, but there's things that are very important to me as a language teacher, and that's joking, um, being funny, uh, trying to get the other person to feel at ease. Yeah. Um, you want people to chat. That's the most important thing about learning a language. Is they forget they're learning a language, and with um, so to make it fun, really. Yeah. Yeah. But with the computer, um, with a screen. You could make a joke and you'd have like your maybe your microphone is interrupted. You'd have all blinking faces looking back at you, feel like a rice. <laughs> <Each, laughs> <just, yeah. laughs> and they're all blinking back at you and you're going, Okay then. So it's there's you're kinda of losing that. Yes. But you've but you you you're managing your business. Okay, you, you, you have plenty of students. I'm not doing too badly. Summer wise in Italy it's it's not great anyway. Uh, yeah. So from September I've got an offer for um a work in a school, so hopefully I'll be getting into school. But uh, we don't even know if schools are reopening for Secondary schools never reopened last year. So, um, okay. Uh, the, okay. Yeah, secondary schools never reopened last year. So, we don't know what's going to happen yet. 
I just want to ask you what you miss the most about uh, Ireland. I mean, aside from your family yes. and the connections and obviously all of that, which is so so precious to you, what else do you miss? Sense of humour. Uh, the light out. This just something that you just can't find anywhere else. Um, you can laugh at each other in Ireland in a way that I don't think you can with anybody else. Italians have a good sense of humour. They come the closest to us yeah. in that purpose, from that perspective. There's a lightness to Ireland that that, that I can't seem to find elsewhere, mm-hmm. and that's why I think Irish kind of. Uh, close to each other I'm flying back on a flight with an Irish girl um, living in Galway Celine so if she might be listening um, on Saturday we're flying home together and um, I felt instantly at ease the fact that we were coming back because a lot of things as Irish people we just we yeah, have connect. Yeah. Now I, I I've seen pictures. You've been up in the west, west as the west. we say. Tell us about how you feel about the, oh, Atlant- the wild Atlantic the way. Tears and streaming down my face on Fenora Beach. Every memory coming back to me. But I mean, I've always been a dramatic person. I've always yeah. felt. I've always felt that when I come home, leave me by the sea. I need to. I need to be with my Atlantic. But <laughs> this time uh, it was just. You just don't know how long before you're going to see it again. Yeah. It just felt so big, so enorm, enormous looking out at the Aran Islands. It just felt so Irish. It's Everything was amazing. We went um, to Corrie Chase and then, of course, we were out um, uh, in Canvara with other family. So we've had a really good tour. But Ike today and Scarif. Yes, so good. we're having a great Clare. tour of Clare. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's I, think, I think Pat, Pat Short and Don Believers <laughs> always had a great line about Ireland to be a great country if you could just put a roof on I agree with that one. <laughs> you know, so, um, temp- Temperature-wise, um, Summertime, you alluded to their temperatures in the forties. Is that normal? It's not really. It's um, now. It always it was in the south. You guess a week or two. Now that's very recent. There was Lucifer, which was a heat wave, very appropriately named, and uh, we did have that. Is Sicily had forty eight point eight Syracuse, and that mm. was a European record. Um, now, my actually, my brother-in-law was there when that happened. So um, it's starting to cool down to nice 37, 38 at the moment. Okay. Uh, but it's very hard oh, lifestyle. And anything over 23 or 24 and we're melting. That says my brother can't handle it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'd be number one in that category myself. But I, And I said, OK, we had our little heat wave and now we've had, we've had a nice few days this yes. week as well. Yeah. So. It was very hot, wasn't it, back yeah. then? Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you one, one question now, just before we finish? What is the best thing about living in Italy? Well, I would go for the weather and being, there is an, um, if you, I mean, I'm not going to be heavy talking about depression and things, but there is a feeling when you live in Northern Europe of the sky being on your head or fall coming down on you. I've always felt in the Mediterranean, there is such daylight and such beautiful seasons. We really have seasons. Now that is uh, with climate change changing even over there, mm. but we do go into springtime. We go into autumn. We have winter. We're guaranteed five months of summer. And you know, it's five months of maybe not that extreme heat, which is very difficult to deal with even for mm. us. But we're guaranteed, like, put in changing your, what the Italians call changing the wardrobe. I mean, can you imagine saying that's an Irish person? I have to change the wardrobe, honey. Like, I mean, just put on a jacket, yeah. will you? Well, well I, I think the Italians uh, have more than one up on us in, when it comes to the fashion side. It's not me, thing, though. Italian Very way, so. Irish from that perspective, Luke. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, from the, that point of view as well, you said um, family you've alluded to has been very important. And the Italian family, as opposed to the Irish family, yeah. Um, 
could you compare, contrast and good, bad? Mm, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's a tough one. Um, I love my in-laws. My in-laws uh, would do anything for me. They are, they probably do too much for me. Um, they would, but there is a no cut-off point. There is no growing up in Italy. You are forever their baby. And that includes your husband is forever their mommy's baby. <laughs> so it's kind of well, hard sometimes. Too, so. it, I mean, yeah, I suppose there is a little bit of it. I think it's more extreme in Italy. Um, there is a lot of, you can't really really make decisions for yourself. Family are involved in everything. And if that's one-sided, um, like in my case, where my family are in another country, that can be quite hard to deal with sometimes because you feel that it's very one-sided. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, you, they would do anything for you. The, the grandchildren grow up nearly with second parents. It's it's a very different dynamic that yeah. we do. And is, sorry, Carol. Is the dynamic that we'll say everybody lives relatively close to each other? How do yes. you allude to the fact that you're... That's your a very southern group. thing. It's yeah. more of a southern thing um, because they do it nearly to... Because probably um, nearly like defensively from coming from backgrounds where they were kind of being I, I don't know but having a difficult time when they moved they kind of do so we've got like the aunts the uncles all of my husband's family live within a 10 mile radius of each other so you know it's it's like hello every time I leave the house hello hello hello, yeah. hello. and when so you don't fact, have that in it's like a village in some ways even though is, you're in the middle of really the land is, it really is it's a Pugliese yeah. village and my culture my viewpoint in Italy would nearly be 90% Pugliese and not Milanese because mm. I've grown up around this Pugliese family. It's very, that's very interesting. It's really, really nice to have you actually so here, um, face to face at Scarif Bay Community Radio. We're very, we're very grateful as well for uh, the updates you gave us, especially through the Oath and Ruin program. I'm very grateful myself. Oh, um, Ruin, Oath and Ruin. I'm trying to get now. Ruth and Owen yeah. gave me an outlet at a time where it was very dark, and it was a very strange thing to be talking about a pandemic, but it felt so good to get it out mm-hmm. and. I know I was trying to do it as a warning, but it also was nearly therapy for me. It mm-hmm. was like something coming on air, speaking to them. I felt connected. Yeah, and you were that much further ahead, of course, than yes, we were two at months, that time. Yeah. So anyway, I asked you if you if we were to be able to spin a disc for you and play a, a, a song for you, what did you choose? You're gonna make me tear up now. At Odes to My Family by uh, the Cranberries. A, li- a limerick song. I'm a big Dolores fan. My huge Dolores fan. Huge Dolores fan. Oh, sorry. I should have thought about Limerick winning. I might take that song back now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think going to my family would be just uh, a lovely way to end this 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 really nice interview. And uh, it's 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 great to see you home. And hopefully we'll um, we'll see you in the not too distant future. Kevin. I really, really hope so. I really, really hope so. Thank you very much, guys. Okay, take care. Bye.